Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Today on NFP, the longtime Metaverse resident and active supporter of the Web3 community, Rizzle, joins me for a conversation, beginning with the advantages and shortcomings of the VR experience. We then discuss the Matt and Rizzle podcast, upcoming trends in the blockchain space, creating and collecting art, the AI art phenomenon, and Rizzle's plans for the upcoming Campout slash Cabin conference, dubbed Rizzle Fest. Hey, this is NFP, the non-fungible podcast with me, D. Klein. Today's episode is brought to you by the Koi Network. Koi makes minting NFTs super easy and inexpensive. Just drag and drop your file using their NFT wallet, Finny, and Koi takes care of the rest. Minting costs as little as one cent, so you can create as many NFTs as you want. And when they're viewed by other people, you even earn Koi tokens that you can use to fund your next series. Check it out at koii.network. All right, Rizzle, welcome to NFP with Decline. I'm so happy you could join me here today. Dude, honored to be here. It's, I feel like we've known each other for a long time, but never really gotten a chance to do the thing here. So it's great to do it. Yeah, we've been kind of, you know, orbiting each other in the space for years, you know, just kind of floating around and... uh it's, it's cool. I, I find that happens with so many people in this space where you interact with them, you know, on Twitter or whatever. But this is the next best thing to being in person. Obviously, it's better in person. This is this is next best for me. It keeps me fueled and energized for the space to just talk with people who are here and have been here for a long time. And I mean, you are one of the most uh, dedicated, active people in the space, especially when it comes to, you know, the metaverse right? And uh, you've got this regular thing going on where you, I think it's, you were saying it's the longest running, you know, a little meetup in the metaverse that's been happening pretty much since this all began. Uh, the whip meetup that you have uh, usually running, I think it's Twitter and Discord you kind of run that through, isn't it? Yeah, uh, we mostly anchor it in Discord, but it's been a weekly metaverse meetup. You, you got to lean into our definition. It's like the Web3 metaverse. So we stake our yeah, claim yeah. in like the longest running like Web3 metaverse meetup that's uh, been going on weekly for over three years now. Uh, and we, you know, basically try to just highlight different cool creators and projects that are going in, going on in the space. And then we also have a different like metaverse location each week that's like a built on the Web3 blockchain. Uh, and we sort of are like a traveling circus. So we're in like a different spot every week. Uh, all the spots we end up are browser based just for like ease of access for our audience and everything. So we host a lot of events and like Crypto voxels, Monoverse, Decentraland, uh, you know, there's a handful of other ones that we end up in as well, Spatial, HyperFi. Um, so we uh, try to be pretty blockchain, metaverse, project agnostic, really with the focus of just showing off the coolest stuff that's going on out there and like delivering like cutting edge stuff to our audience. Uh, and so it's fun to be like sort of a, a homeless metaverse, homeless traveling uh, circus and just being able to, you know, now, now we've been around long enough that people know we're coming and they're like, oh, cool. The meetup's coming to visit our spot this week. And, uh, you know, it's like 
a big thing. Um, so, so it's a lot of fun. And it's also, uh, from having done it since very, very early on has led to tons of great connections and amazing projects and people coming across our stage, uh, over the course of time, uh, and has, and we still do it to this day. It's, it's still like sort of a, sort of a labor of love. It's never been much of a profit machine, uh, at all, really. <laughs> but no i mean it's cool how you know <laughs> i was just kind of browsing through and seeing your little parties and uh you know uh watching there was one where you were showing how you were supposed to be making some kind of uh uh wearable but you turned it into a character and you know is walking around <laughs> yes yeah. i forget which app that was in i don't remember decentraland or something but uh yeah it's i'm curious though you know with the whole vr thing you know are you uh going full on headset all the time with this stuff or you know is that kind of you know worn out for the excitement for you uh dude i was never like really fully on board with like the headset version right. of the metaverse uh i do i own like an early uh rendition of the oculus that i got just for the sake of science and being in the space i feel like i should know what's going on and everything um, and then I have, you know, buddies within the space like Metageist and Jin and like Boombox Head who are like, you know, very deep into VR. And I like being able to do things with them periodically, like, you know, having that tool on hand to experience some of the cool stuff that they're like really interested in. Uh, but for me, man, it's it's like a it's not like the best experience for me. I find it like really isolating, like from, you know, I've, I have like kids and like a family and stuff. So if I go like into VR, I'm like instantly cut off from like the rest of the household. Like, you know, the place could be burning down around me or like, you know, kids like, could be beating up each here. other in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, I have no, no idea what's going on. Uh, so it doesn't, for me personally, at least in its current like form, it doesn't really fit my life or lifestyle very well. And, and honestly, man, I've had like, I'm, I'm able to do it in stints, like go into VR and like do cool stuff in there, but I still haven't gotten like my VR legs yet. And I, I'm not someone who gets like normally motion sickness, uh, at all in like the real world. But if I'm in there for too long, I start feeling messed up. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty so, normal. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know some of that has to do with the tech and like the frame rate, like not quite being where it needs to be in order to make people not vomit constantly or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I don't I don't feel like that. Ver I feel like that version of the metaverse or that like way of experiencing the metaverse definitely has its place. Uh, but I'm my philosophy is more on the other side of things where I feel like mobile applications like really have to be slick and available to people to experience the metaverse like in that way like some projects are able to do to really hit like mass appeal or like you know broad stream adoption or being able to like have like a casual user experience what's going on you got to be able to hop in on your phone i feel like that's the path yeah. of least resistance for everybody quick break here to talk to you about what's going on at the koi network the Koi Network has officially launched K2, their very own settlement layer for lightning fast transactions. What makes it so quick is the new version of their gradual consensus process, which is a multi-round confirmation method they made themselves that makes data sharing really efficient. It's a huge step forward for three reasons. First, you can now run your own K2 validator node on the validator testnet. When you run a K2 node, you earn 10% of the daily Koi token mint by keeping the network in sync. The earlier you start, the more you earn. Secondly, it enables developers to build blockchain bridges, decentralized social platforms, Web3 games, and more. 
Koi has more than 500 ecosystem projects ready to build on Koi, and K2 is the foundation for all of them. The applications for K2 are infinite. Lastly, K2 provides decentralized custody of tokens for their task economy, including wrapped tokens from other ecosystems. Koi tasks, by the way, are off-chain computations that people can run with their personal devices to receive a bounty. This is how those more than 500 projects are building on Koi. The more tasks that get created on Koi's network, the more tokens begin to circulate to serve the compute microservices economy they've created. Koi is poised for massive growth, and K2 is the central pillar behind all of this. Head to the Koi network, K-O-I-I dot network, to check them out, or head to K-O-I-I dot me slash K2 to register for the K2 testnet and run your own. Yeah, it has to have that accessibility to it, right? And uh, it's just where everybody's at right now is, is with their phones, you're right, yeah. Um, I just feel like, you know, it's interesting how that's changed over time, you know, in terms of where VR started with the Oculus, like you mentioned, and I was like, okay, this is the next big thing. And obviously it's not, you know, um, will there be a time that it is? Maybe. I mean, you keep hearing about this stuff with like Apple coming up with an AR set. I think, you know, I feel like something like that maybe has a little more legs to it because you can still be in the world, but see things that are in this other world at the same time. Yeah. I think so too, man. I, I feel like some sort of hybrid like middle step is probably coming before full VR catches on. I, I don't know, man. I've I've honestly, I, I can't tell if it's just me that I'm like, this is really not something for me or if that's something felt across like, or, or will be felt across like a wide population once that technology is really accessible. Because I mean, like, you know, I just think of myself, like, you know, when I was a kid having friends over playing video games and everything, you know, everyone's sitting right there, like participating in the exact same thing with a controller in hand, you can look at each other and, and it feels like, uh, maybe I'm just old man and out of touch, but I've, I'm like, it's a different experience when you got, got four kids sitting there with like VR headsets on <laughs> and sort of like, I mean, maybe they're playing the same thing at the end of the day together and it doesn't really matter. It's just like, you know, the difference, you know, I'm used to a controller in my hands. People are used to wearing one on their heads more in the future, but uh, the, the isolation, the isolating experience is like really a big drawback for me. And I feel like the AR, like some glasses that you can sort of put on and like maybe turn on and off the experience pretty seamlessly or, you know, sort of pick and choose what you want is like, much more palatable for me and something that I would love tinkering around with because then if I hear, you know, kids fight in the backyard or whatever, you know, flick the things off and, you know, go holler at them. (laughs) Or, you know, you uh, put wearables on them and, you know, punish them with, you know, wearables they don't like or whatever. (laughs) You got to wear the dunce cap (laughs) for the rest of the day. The whole neighborhood's wearing the glasses and they're going to see it. I think that's where the potential is with wearables, though, honestly, because when you think about wearables in VR, okay, it's cool. And of course, you're into wearables with, you know, the on-chain chains and everything. But think about it in AR. It's, it's got way more uh, impact, I think, if you're walking around and you can see the normal environment, but you see people wearing certain things. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, dude, I, I love that concept. I feel like we're we're... I feel almost like that's the inevitable course of events. Like Mm -hmm. there's no way we don't get to that at some point. It's just, when does the tech 
get us there to a point where it's like accessible to everybody. But I've seen some demos and some people using stuff like that already. Uh, but man, I would love that, right? It's so cool to be able to like, you know, walk outside, you know, looking like I am now. But then if someone flicks their thing on on their glasses, you know, I've got a giant wizard cape on and like a staff or something. Or uh, I, I like that, man. I, I feel like it's and I feel like something like that is actually like desirable to normal people in the sense that like it's a way it's a alternative way of expressing themselves in the real world that uh if the technology gets uh out there and it's available for everyone i i feel like that's something that is would catch on and that people would think is really cool uh, especially if you get sort of into like clothing tier type of stuff where it's like you know you got your default layers where you can sort of like you know, customize your stuff within certain parameters, but then, you know, you walk around the corner and you're like, oh yeah, there's my neighbor. That asshole's got like the OG, like something or whatever. And he's always flexing it. Um, but I, I like that. I think that's cool. You know, could get kind of dystopian. We could all end up living in like little green screen cubicles and be like, check out my palace, you know, and be like, <laughs> you know, I don't know, man, but uh, Dude, I feel like we're already dystopian. We might well, well, of course we are. Full tilt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, full on dystopia. No kidding. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, speaking of uh, dystopian, you know, this whole thing with uh, you were talking about uh, this on your last podcast was the big rug pull. Well, you you de you determined through what you called fake journalism yes. that this indeed was a rug pull. Look, examining the Beeple story and the B twenty currency and how that all kind of. It was a big deal when it was new. Everybody was buying it. And then they were kind of like, okay, everybody, if you want to continue with this, you go ahead, but we're out of here kind of idea. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's an interesting topic. Uh, I was listening to you. This is on your podcast, uh, Matt and Rizzle. Uh, that's with Matthew from uh, Nifty Time. Uh, is he still with? He, yeah, Nifty Gateway. And uh, the two of you have been doing that podcast for how long now? Yeah, about the same. I co-produced the whip with him as well. So, and both right. the podcast the podcast has been going on a little bit longer than the whip. So, weekly, Matt and I have been cranking these things out for three plus years, uh, which is sort of funny, man. We like never really we like in the beginning we weren't like okay, we're just going to start doing this weekly thing and then do it forever. Um, yeah, but but here we are, man. We just like never never stopped. Uh, Matt's a good dude in the space, man. I I've known him for. Mm -hmm long even before the podcast and everything and so uh in a weird way it's become sort of like a grounding thing each week you know sort of hanging out with matt bullshitting about like stuff that we're interested in in the space you know we just sort of hit record and keep it pretty casual like we're doing now and uh and it's nice man it's nice to have like a relaxed conversation with people who know stuff uh and matt's got like a lot of like different perspectives than i do too which i th feel like makes the podcast work Right, right, right. And uh, maybe you can share about, you know, what's, you know, uh, a topic you see kind of floating around right now that you'd like to explore a little bit more. What do you think? What's what's striking your interest right now? Yeah, um, we've been talking a lot about like who's surviving and who's dying in the yeah. market right now. Because I feel yeah. like we're sort of at that point where like a lot of people <laughs> who thought they could make it are like, uh, I don't know if I'm really going to be able to make it or not. I thought the like, upswing like was the banks? Like, with that? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like the yeah. banks? Yeah. <laughs> Different topic, dude, but yeah, yes. go ahead, go ahead. Um, so 
that's been top of mind, just sort of like, you know, zooming out and looking at the landscape and being like, wow, man, like a lot of a lot of projects that have been around for a long time thought they had the road, uh, the uh, runway to make it through this and seem to be like laying off staff and like cutting corners and, you know, sort of reeling things in a little bit. Um, but uh, dude, uh, I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about before we uh, started recording here, like that all the AI explosion of like everything has been super fascinating to me. And, and I feel like uh, it's not inherently tied to Web3, but uh, is sort of adjacent in a lot of ways. Uh -huh. And I think there's going to be a lot of overlap in like the technology of, you know, blockchain, Web3, artificial intelligence. Uh, and so that's something personally I've been diving like heads first into and I'm like on all the, the beta sign up lists and everything because all this shit is just like super fascinating to me. Uh, and use it super dystopian as well. If we go back to that, you know, I'm, I'm mostly using it as like, uh, as a creative outlet, uh, myself, but there are certainly a billion applications out there for it beyond that, that are like, you know, a little bit, uh, daunting, uh, but in the meantime, I'm having fun, man. It's, it's, it's really cool stuff. And I feel like has sort of like unlocked some creative part of my brain that, uh, I wasn't able to really tap into before. So it's, it's cool, man. It's been pretty fun. So what's your process? Like, I know you've been making a lot of stuff that's kind of, you know, just funny, like the AI avocados and the, you know, wizard frogs and so, so forth, you know, has it been something where you've taken, you know, a process to kind of build word prompts or like, how are you going about that, that work? Uh, so <laughs> it's a good question, man. So I, I sort of make games for myself within the things I'm doing. Right. So I'm like, uh, I started out just sort of, so I'm really, I'm using the frogs and like the goofy prompts really like as a vehicle to tinker around with like the AI. And, and so, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I've been really fascinated. The thing about the art specifically, which, uh, and I, I play around with chat GPT a lot as well, which is also really interesting. Um, but doesn't have like the fun results as much as like, you know, some of the art programs. I, I use a lot of mid journey, um, uh -huh, but it's interesting uh -huh. because, you know, what I found is that if you're trying to just make something cool and you don't care what that is, it's not that difficult to do with a lot of these programs just to like, if you know, if you're ambivalent about the result of it, but to get it to produce something that's in your head is like a different story. You got to sort of know totally. how to speak to the AI a little bit. And what's interesting is, you know, I, so I've, I've been make, making a lot of frogs and avocados specifically, <laughs> uh, but not without like some reason or whatever. And for what I found is for whatever reason, frogs are very easy to turn into human like characters and give human like emotions or whatever. And so I've sort of been using them as like a first layer testing ground for like a lot of ideas that I have and everything about just sort of seeing how far you can push the AI. Uh, but avocados are extremely difficult to give human like features and make <laughs> interact with things in a human-like way I, I assume there's a lot of assumptions I could make because they're like a piece of produce instead of like a you know living thing or whatever uh, but it's it's very interesting to me to figure out how to interact with the AI in a way that I could get like a frog doing the same thing that an avocado can be doing the same thing that a human could be doing but all of these like ways of getting to the same endpoint are like completely different and like really interesting in terms of like uh how the ai is learning and like what it's drawing from and how to speak to it in order to get it to spit out the things you want 
Um, so, so all this is pretty interesting, man. I, I, I sort of like have been experimenting a lot with it across the board with the mindset that like developing the skills of knowing how to talk to this shit is probably like a pretty good idea and like not going to go anywhere. And so just knowing the ins and outs of how all this stuff works is valuable, but I can also learn in like a really fun and stupid way and post dumb frog pictures and, and like, you know, have, have fun with it as well. <laughs> For me, the fun is the most fun, funnest, I don't know. the most yeah. fun, way to play with AI is to try to break it and come up with stuff that is just janky or yes. weird. And, you know, for a while it was the, the hands kind of, you know, looked really messed up. And so that was kind of fun to play around with that and see what you come yep. up with. But me personally, what I've been trying to play with is, okay, can I make this kind of look like my own style? And yeah. to the extent that person might look at it and think, did he draw it or is it AI? Like where, you know, they can look at my current style as an artist. And I can look at the AI and go, okay, is this is still his work? Do you see what I'm saying? So using yes. word prompts to generate work that replicates my artistic style. Yes. It's, it's yes. fun to try. That's really cool, man. I feel like we're on the same wavelength as far as like trying to get it to spit out something intentional. Uh, the difference is I'm not like inherently an artist, at least in like the conventional sense. So I don't have like a backlog of work at all to like start as a reference point to start from or like lean into. I just sort of have these like ways my Rizzle personality has sort of been memed over the years, which lends itself to like frogs and firefighters and avocados and, you know, these strange like theme recurring themes within my own. <laughs> Why avocados though? Can you explain this to me? Why avocados? Okay, yeah. So this is actually one of the more, more recent ones. Uh, so I started working alongside Moniverse uh, maybe like six months right. ago to do like event type of stuff and help out with strategy with the project and everything. Um, and they're they're big into interoperable VRMs, which I did not have one of my own going into Moniverse. Uh, but mm -hmm. I'm good friends with Toxam and Polygonal Minds and the people at uh, over at Crypto Avatars. And they have like a whole bunch of like open source CC0 VRM avatars that like anybody can use across platform and everything. And so I went over there to because I needed to not be naked in my you know new role or whatever. I couldn't be like naked avatar. So I, you know, looked oh, through there. Charm to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we do. I do make jokes. I try. I, it's a long story, man. A long time ago, I unintentionally like shamed someone for being a naked avatar, and they like <laughs> sort of like upset them. And I was like, maybe I, I. It was a joke, but anyway, naked um, shaming in the cryptoverse. Wow, it's a thing, man. So now I try and encourage people to be, if they prefer to be naked, that's fine. However, we have clothes for. It you. really should be like some kind of nudist colony in a metaverse yeah. somewhere that people can come yes. and just not have anything attached to them, right? There probably is, man. If, if you think probably of it, is. probably yeah. is one. Um, Sorry, you were so, saying though. Yeah, so after cycling through a bunch of crypto avatars, I don't know, the the avocado just like spoke to me. Uh, it's like this just big, simple, smiling avocado. It looks really silly, but then like people started complimenting me on the avocado suit. So I just sort of like, leaned hard into the avocado for, you know, early on there when I started working with Moniverse. Uh, and then I started using it so much that I felt bad because it's CC zero. So it was like on sale on the marketplace 
but I was just using it anyway because it's CC zero because you can. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I was like, became so tied to the avocado that I was felt bad. I was like, I should probably just buy this avocado. So I, you know, own the avocado outright. So now I own the CC zero avocado that I had become known for. Uh, and spread does it make any difference to own a CC zero of F something? Does that like explain? This uh, no, but now if you turn it into an avocado, I can say that's my avocado. <laughs> 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 but it's just kind of cool though. What? people people know you'd be like oh that's one of rizzle's avocados you know they see I you see. in the wild i get it i get it <laughs> and apparently someone was saying they saw someone walking around with some i forget what it was something at uh oh yeah like a uh, like a plushy stuffed animal yeah, avocado, plushy avocado they thought of you and they thought of you <laughs> <laughs> right that's what i was saying i was like ah you may maybe i've done so well with this avocado branding that eventually that will be not an avocado plushie but a rizzle plushie that just right. happens to be an avocado right <laughs> so well, that is know. weird there's man. some there's some company there that's made an avocado plushie that's getting a little nervous yeah they should just name it rizzle and call it a day i'll, I'll retweet yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think of uh you know you've got the upcoming event rizzle fest of course and then there's nft nyc i think it's a week right before that isn't it isn't rizzle fest 420 and the nft nyc yes. is april 12 to 14 i think it is in Times square and hudson yards um yes. rizzle fest you got to tell me about this. this is kind of the anti-conference yes uh, i tried to it. walk back it being the anti-conference because i'm not necessarily the anti anti-conference but that was sort of no like no no. i don't mean that in a conflicting way no I no, mean, no. It's just we had like, that in the messaging you know... <laughs> it's not your fault okay <laughs> go ahead though um so uh unfortunately nft nyc was originally an earlier date when we were planning this and then they moved it the week before rizzle fest and we're like uh, should we just keep going with this uh, or should we move the date? We've decided to just go for it anyway and just sort of see what happens because all the wheels were in motion in that place. But uh, but the, the, the idea Where is, is that... Where is Bristol Vest taking place, though, before you tell me the idea? Where is it happening? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's at a camp outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, all right, so on. Be okay. Three days, uh, 420 to 423. Uh, there's roughly like 30 people or so coming right now. Uh, you got an option to camp in a tent if you want to bring your own tent or there are like bunks in cabins that you could stay in one of the bunks uh, and food comes with a ticket throughout the weekend and airport transportation in a magic unicorn bus that has the soundstage on top, which is also another story, <laughs> but uh but it should be it should be fun, man. I've been so been around long enough and uh, perhaps you're in the same boat, man, where I've been to a lot of these conferences now, both like very early on before they were a big deal. And a lot of them since they have become a big deal. And I feel like a lot of them aren't necessarily bad, but they're like carbon copies of the same yep. thing where it's like a big event. There's like big mm -hmm. side events going on constantly. And it's like this big chase where you're running from thing you want to see to event you want to be at to person you want to meet up with. And it's just, and it got, there's Mostly value consisting of Uber rides. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like Uber fest. East Denver. Was yeah. an Uber fest. I actually had like a great experience <laughs> at East Denver, but East Denver was an Uber fest as it was Bitcoin Miami as are like a lot of these things. Um, and so I found myself going to these things like with, really just going to network, really just going to see the people I really wanted to meet up with and basing my travel around who was going to be at these things and uh, rather than the conference itself. And so yeah. I was like, what if we just cut to the chase and just sort of 
get rid of all the noise and create an event that sort of just facilitates this networking that a lot of people just want to go to these things for anyway. And we just strip down mm. the conference and go to like a laid back environment and bring a bunch of, you know, cool people who have been in the industry for a long time uh, to just sort of hang out and, uh, you know, kick it for a few days. Uh, and so that, that was the idea I launched out there with, which sort of grat. Uh, grew legs pretty quickly and and now it's actually happening man in, in less than a month uh like i said like 30 of us and it's it's like totally community driven like uh, a lot of the people who are coming to this are hosting some sort of like campified like web3 workshop so we're doing like some some macaroni art that we're gonna like 3d render and someone's gonna explain how to like upload that to unity like later on but like using our camp projects uh you know we got uh async art sponsored like frisbees for us to you know play some games uh you know kickballs coming in and and so uh, so the idea, you know, again, man, found myself going to these conferences to just, and ending up in like a dive bar, just like hanging out with, yeah. you know, five people I really wanted to talk to for a long time and was like, you know, let's just do that at scale. And, uh, so we can all just, you know, do it together, uh, or whatever. So, uh, so it's happening, man. We got, a, uh, like I said, there's this magical unicorn bus that actually found at NFT NYC a couple years ago. It has this big sound stage on top, so we got a bunch of musicians coming that are going to perform uh, on top of the magic unicorn bus throughout the course of the weekend, and it should be a fucking weird thing, man. <laughs> but uh, but I think it's going to be dope. For some reason I'm having and, visions of Burning Man, you know, but you know, in a yeah. little bit of a different context, of course. Yeah, I think that's sort much of smaller, the, more intimate. The, yeah, I think that's sort of the vibe. Uh, but it's cool because there's it's all web three people, you know, it's all people who have been around for like a long time who are very passionate about the industry. Uh, and I made the joke when I was going to ETH Denver, when I was going to this like uh, token smart bowling event and I was, you know, talking to someone, they're like, you know, what's, are you really, is there really any value in going to something like bowling at one of these conferences? And I'm like, and you know, man, if you you hang out with these people long enough who are obsessed with this space, it doesn't matter if you put a bowling ball in their hand or like a computer, like the conversation's all like Web3, NFTs, like, you know, no matter where you are or what you're doing, um, so, which proved to be the case during bowling as well. So, uh, you know, it should be, <laughs> it should be interesting. Yeah. So um, in terms of tickets, you got a little bit of an unconventional way of accessing these tickets. Can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, so I decided to get fancy and overcomplicated, uh, which is sort of my mo with all my overly Why ambitious. Why is this an open-ended question? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, uh, so we were trying to think of a creative way. So the tent can, or the camp can host almost like unlimited people who want to camp, but there's only a limited amount of bunks, and so we were mm -hmm. trying to figure out how do we sell tickets but deal with like the limited bunks. And so we were like, why don't we just sell tent tickets? And then if people prefer to have a bunk, they can burn the tent ticket for free for a bunk ticket. And then we can keep track of how many bunks have been sold and limit the bunk tickets to, I think, 45 bunks or something like that. I see. Uh, so, so yeah, man, it's just, and like, I've actually held a handheld a couple of people through this process where they're like, listen, I want to come. I really don't want to fuck around with your like burn mechanism or whatever, or, like complicated thing you've got going on, but I want a bunk. Can I just send you money? And I'm like, you know, sure. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just airdrop you the bunk ticket. 
but you know, man, I'm, it's a it's a Web three retreat or whatever you want to conference. So I felt like it'd be cool to do something interesting with the tickets that's like you know a little bit innovative and actually solves a problem with the bunks because we were like you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to sell a separate ticket for the bunk versus the tent and like all this shit, you know, going back and forth, trying to figure out how to handle that. And then we were like, I don't know, why don't we just make it too complicated for people to figure out? At least you won't have the problem of what was that documentary on Netflix, Fire Island or whatever that what was that called? Was that what it was? Oh, I don't know. Uh, the, you know, it was the, it was the, the classic, uh, you know, festival that failed and there was oh, a horrible fire, fire, or fire, fire festival, I think it fire was. Festival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You won't have that problem because you're not going to have like thousands of people signing up to something and showing up and, you know, being like, here's your slice of cheese on some white bread or whatever. Right. Dude, the first priority <laughs> when we launched this thing was do not let this end up Keep being small. fire festival or like Lord <laughs> of the flies. Like as long as those two things, you know, the priority number one and two, uh, I think, I think we'll be okay. But yeah. yes, trust me, that's been in the back of my head this whole time. I'm like, Oh my God, like we're one big, like logistical thing from like something going really, really wrong. But, I, I think but no, you control fine. it with the tokens though, because you basically prevent it from ever being kind of beyond your control. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I suppose people could just show up with tents. Right. (laughs) But (laughs) right. I don't think we don't have Ja Rule coming. So hopefully there's not like that type of demand. Uh, I think people are like very intrigued on what is going on. uh, But I don't think we're there to the point that people are going to show up. I think people are going to stalk it on social media a little bit. And then if it goes really well, maybe next year, if we do it again, we got, you know, a couple randos show up. We'll see. Yeah. Are you making a documentary of the whole thing? Uh, No, you you should. You should should be filming this whole process. No, I know, man. It's right now. It's a matter. It's it's sort of. (laughs) It's, it's all there, but it's a pretty bootstrapped operation with like a lot of good moving pieces and people involved, uh, but there's no great streamlined like way to document the whole thing from start to finish. It's sort of going to be a probably a hodgepodge of everybody. I like that it's organic. It's kind of cool. It's like you said, I think it is a bit of an anti-conference conference. You know, it's it's got that rebellious edge to it. It's going to be intimate. You're going to have people there that's just a small group that you know you can just have conversations you're not going to be like you said running to and fro on ubers you go into the like i uh, i can't remember which one it was nft la or miami where like you look at your calendar for the two three days whatever it was and it was like what the frick there's like 17 things going on right now like how am i supposed to even choose where to go yeah Yeah, so then you do yeah, like and so then you, locations. Yeah. So then you go to one, it's a half hour Uber drive. You spend $80 or whatever getting to this thing. You get there and it's like, oh, this is not the one I wanted to go to. And then someone messaged you and says, hey, you got to come to this. It's really great. Come on over here. So then you head right. over there. And by the time you get there, they're like, oh, yeah, things have really died down. You're like, great. Yeah, dude, exactly. <laughs> and so they end up in a sushi bar somewhere at two in the morning, just chatting with a few people. And that's like, hey, well, I could have just started here in the first place. I didn't need all that other crap. Yeah. I feel like I did that like three conferences <laughs> in a row and was like, yep. 
became much more selective in in my travel and everything early on it was like so exciting right i, I feel like yes. you know when it first exploded that that first nft nyc after covid was like mm. so nuts like it was it almost just felt like a celebration of like everything the space had achieved like while covid was going on and while we were all like stuck in our homes and then i just feel like that got like mashed on repeat over and over again to the extent that it's like uh, you know, when that happened at first, it was like exciting. It was like uncharted territory. We're in the spotlight like we never have been before. And now it's just like, uh, like another <laughs> one of these, like, let me see who's going, like, who's going to be out there. Is there, you know, anyone I really need to meet up with? And, uh, you know, tried to, in the beginning, hit like the ma all the major ones that were coming down the pike. And now I'm like, dude, I don't even really want to travel more than like two, three times a year for these things. Right. It's like mm -hmm. cool, but it's mm -hmm. like also like exhausting and not quite the adventure it once was. It's more like it more feels like work now than it does. Uh, yeah, I you hear know, you. Really, really exciting. Yeah. And I, I get the impression with Rizzlefest, it's more about connection. It's more about, you know, actually having something where you're sitting down with people and it's actually a, there's a quality to that, you know, that is lacking at some of these events you know as you're talking about i think about the turning point in my mind i still can remember is the uh do you remember the zuckerberg's what's her name the mark zuckerberg's daughter or whatever the we're all gonna make it video and i was like okay it's yes. over <laughs> that might have been that might have been peak or it must have been like close to it or like close at one of these it. like high points right i feel like that came out at, at one of those like really weird times in the hype cycle where it almost wasn't like even that surprising. It's just like, dude, almost anything could happen at this point. Like, yeah. like <laughs> I just think of that Twisted Sister song and I'm like, I don't yes. know if they had, she had to pay somebody to take it and do that to that song. But it was like, I don't know. It felt wrong. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your collection, though. I mean, you're, you're a collector, too. You've collected for years, right? Like, when you're collecting in this space, you know, like, what grabs you? What have you been drawn toward as a collector? Um, Mostly art, man. I'm a really mm -hmm. shitty NFT trader. Uh, I Prior to getting into NFTs, I was, like, a uh, pretty good day trader in, in crypto and everything, going back to, like, okay. 2012 or so, uh, which is how I gained a lot of knowledge and was able to make the leap into the space uh, full time, uh, you know, several years ago. Uh, but I am not a good NFT trader. There's I know a lot of people who are good NFT traders, but I am emotionally attached to my NFTs and came into the NFT scene through the crypto through the very early crypto art scene. Uh, which was very much about like just mutual support of each other's art because there just wasn't a whole lot of money in it at the time. You know, people yep. were just selling mm -hmm. art for five, 10, 15 bucks each or whatever. Uh, and so, so that's, that's the majority of my collection. I've, I've stumbled into some good investments by proxy of that. Uh, I was a big fan of art blocks uh, from inception and no snowfro from, uh, you know, a long time ago. So I have some, you know, nice art blocks in my collection uh, somewhere and, and a few other things as well, just 
from being lucky from being pretty early on in the NFT scene. Uh, but 99, 99% of my collection is illiquid JPEGs, uh, just like it should be. <laughs> well, I mean, the plus enough. side of that being, you know, you see this, I saw, read this the other day. Uh, they're talking about taxing NFT collectibles revenues made at the highest possible rate. I think 28% they were saying. Right. And I always find that so funny how the same agencies who will say this has no value and will say, okay, this is not a legitimate form of money. It has no value, but we're going to fucking tax you 28% on it. (laughs) What? So you're taxing me 28% on something you say is worthless. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. The the irony is uh, the bad language there. Yeah, dude. Uh, so most of I have thousands of NFTs now across like multiple blockchains. I'm not like very blockchain. Uh, I, I'm heavy on ETH NFTs. I, I like that blockchain more than others, but I have a ton on Tezos and a bunch on Wax and a whole bunch on Polygon. And uh, I mostly stayed away from Solana and a few other mm-hmm. ones, uh, but I'm not necessarily against the people making stuff on those or anything. Uh, but but I love the art, man. I, I feel like that's always been something I've like had a big belief in since very early on that when I when I realized I was having like an emotional connection to the art and the NFTs and everything, that's what really when the light bulb really went on that there was like major like use cases and applications for NFTs and would also be very powerful in empowering artists and creators around the world. And saw that like very, very early on when, you know, NFT, you know, crypto art was around and, you know, would buy something for $5 from someone across the world. And, you know, that is impactful, you know, that, that makes a big difference depending on sure. where you're from and uh, that kind of thing. So that was when it was sort of like, ding, like, this is a big deal uh, that can turn into something. And, and I've never really fallen out of that, like, crypto artist pocket of like, friends that I came up with, who I've always sort of collected their art or people's who people who they've collect who I've like stumbled upon from them. It's sort of been organic. And I, you know, just again, have this giant NFT collection of NFTs that I love, but they're 99% illiquid JPEGs. Uh, but, but that's okay. <laughs> they man. won't, I, they I won't like, be on blur anytime soon. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> they, they won't be on blur anytime soon. Uh, but it's good, man. I, you know, I feel like all the, all the support that I have given to the community community in that way has always come back. And I feel like that's always been sort of like the mantra of the space is that, you know, you sort of get out what you put in type of thing. And, uh, and I've sort of stuck with that. And uh, I don't know, man, a bunch of people are coming into the woods with me. (laughs) Something worked. (laughs) (laughs) That is cool. I I like that. You're kind of uh, just doing something totally different there. That's fun. Uh, You know, so obviously you got Rizzle Fest coming up that's the big thing that you're furiously preparing right now and making sure everybody has good quality cheese sandwiches with wonder bread um <laughs> what else are you you know kind of you know pumped about here in the next little bit i mean it's an interesting time in the nft space we're kind of you know like you mentioned before a lot of the money's dried up for a lot of projects you know um didn't help that <clears throat> you know this biggest uh bank for venture capitalists shriveled up and died um you know so what are you what are you optimistic about or excited about um 
I, I like have sort of like a morbid like fascination with watching everything burn down around <laughs> us. Um, <laughs> How uh, bad is this going to get? I'm just going to sit yeah, back and watch. Uh, you know, I. <laughs> You're like I the guy like with I'm the popcorn. Place, you know, <laughs> what's that? You're like the guy with the popcorn, you know, the meme. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, going out to East Denver, uh, I had a really good experience out in East Denver with the people who are out there. Uh, and the the vibe was like really, really positive out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a very like nerd tech heavy crowd of like super fans of the tech and of the space and everything. Uh, and there was like zero price discussion out there. There was like no like, you know, what's the value of ETH today or has it gone mm-hmm. up or down? It was all like people heads down building and excited about the prospects of building. Uh, and that to me is like the most exciting thing in these types of markets. And I, and I try to like surround myself with people who are like that as well, that I know market goes up, market goes down. I don't have anywhere else to go. So I'm trying to hang out with other people who don't have anywhere else to go either. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and the vibe is positive. You know, I, I don't, I don't, you see publicly a lot of people sort of bailing and, had like a couple of hits to the art community recently of our artists sort of, uh, you know, apparently saying they're done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Saying they're done. Um, and that's tough. Uh, but I also am very inspired by people who are completely oblivious to what's going on in the market and are excited about whatever they're building and the market has no influence on how hard they're working or how excited they are they're building the thing no matter what uh and that that's cool to see a lot of that still happening uh in this market yeah yeah no for sure well and it's where you get to see the people who really are passionate about it and not just here to cash out cash in on whatever's going on you know like yeah i don't think we're gonna see uh you know any uh jake paul or lindsey lohan collections popping up in the next little while do you know what i mean yeah yeah it doesn't seems like uh that's not going so well for a lot of them i don't know <laughs> some of them are in the midst of like some litigation and you know for right. some wacky endorsements and everything now uh, i got a question for you about that okay the the issue is from what i can tell is that they didn't disclose that they were paid to say those you know hey you know this is cool or whatever right i, I mean so. is that illegal uh i don't know man i don't that's a good question uh i don't make the rules uh uh <laughs> see that's where i, I wonder like okay obviously in this case it turned yeah. out badly for people you know but i mean you're telling me like look around on twitter and instagram how many people are getting paid to you know influencers the entire influencer yeah. market is made of people who are saying oh hey this is cool now maybe some of them do disclose they're getting paid but i guarantee you like a lot of them are not disclosing that they're getting paid Dude, 100%. I mean, the whole like NFT influencer market is like made of people <laughs> who are getting paid under the table or something this like that. This is sponsored and, by the Coin Network, and I am getting paid just in case. Yeah, there yeah. you go, man. Um, <laughs> so, uh, dude, I, I feel like this is probably one of those things that everybody knows happens, but it happened on such a large scale that like someone finally decided they could crack down on it or is like worth cracking down on. Because I mean, to some extent you're right, man, this stuff happens like in front of our faces dude. especially like in the NFT, uh, you know, ecosystem for years now, like in front of our faces, look at, you know, Beanie got, you know, chased in and out of the scene like 10 times already. And there's our chick and like all of these people who like, 
have been, you know, publicly exposed for doing exactly this. And then like somehow nothing happens and then they just get right back to it, you know, a couple months later or whatever. So um, I don't know, man, I, I feel like Yuga probably is in an unfortunate situation of being the first like really major player right. in the space that uh -huh. has enough capital for someone to waste their time going after it on like a major scale uh type of thing but well and in their uh, case it's probably just cheaper just to settle and simpler just to settle than to go yeah. fight stuff for who knows how long right i mean you know just look at jake paul man besides from this like who how much shit does he have that people have paid you know <laughs> given him Come or whatever on, yeah. like that's that's that dude that's how he is him basically right <laughs> well any any product <laughs> endorsement have you ever heard you know like tiger woods on a nike commercial going i'm getting paid by nike like yeah. No, but isn't that obvious? Like, doesn't everybody know that? Like, yeah, I don't no, know. To I, me, it feels like that's just a normal thing that celebrities endorse stuff. Well, so I, I think there is a nuance, like getting paid versus being given like a speculative asset, I think sort of puts it mm. into a different category. But then okay. like also, okay. you know, Tiger's probably sitting on a shitload of Nike stock that he never like... <laughs> you know mentioned on the commercial either uh maybe i don't know you know what tigers you know got but uh, maybe it's in the disclaimers at the bottom of the ad somewhere you know tiger yeah. woods is being paid in stock insecurity you know it may not go up in value 10 rare nike jpegs yeah <laughs> i'm just saying it's strange that they're you know going after them for that one i mean celebrity endorsement that's a pretty standard practice across the board in all kinds of products yeah. i don't know it's just puzzling to me so maybe it is the fact that it's a speculative asset that differentiates it. That would be Or at sense. least like the loophole that lets litigation get in there and start, you know, poking holes or whatever. Um, I, you know, I think honestly, we were in such a situation that anyone who got super big was going to end up under the microscope for one reason or another. It's just too much of like a wild west type of industry. There's too much money flying around yeah. that, you know, whether it was Yuga or someone else, whenever someone got to a certain point, you know, uncle Sam's going to be like, you know, let's, let's uh -huh. see what's really going on in here. Um, <laughs> you know, my, uh, what, my what about like, out. you know, like I think of, you know, the classic scene is like Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton talking about their apes. Have they heard yes. from uh, the sec or anybody yet? I think Jimmy found sure. it. I don't know about Paris Hilton. Did he? Uh, I think they, so. I think wasn't it MoonPay that sent them those or whatever? Like that's isn't that? I don't know the whole story. Yeah, dude, it's this whole. Yeah, it's this whole like vortex of like MoonPay yeah. and Guy Osieri <laughs> and apes and like somehow Ashton Kutcher's in that mix too, and it's like all sorts of weird shit. <laughs> it's like people, you you're telling me you genuinely thought they just wanted these things and they they weren't getting paid to say this stuff. Right. Like, <laughs> right. To me, that's obvious. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would. It never even occurred to me that they weren't getting paid to say it. I mean, you, my <laughs> default assumption, which is probably yours, man, is that anytime anyone gets on something next to Jimmy Fallon, they're either getting paid or trying to get paid for every right. single word that's coming out of, of their course. mouth. That's why you do that thing. That's why they go on there and go, here, watch the clip of the movie that I want you to go see. Or right, here's right. the album that I'm producing or here's yeah. the whatever i want you to buy like yeah. that's here's what the shows Instagram the shows are commercials that's all they are absolutely yeah <laughs> so i don't know i don't quite get i maybe it is the speculative asset part of it that differs yeah but even if that is what differs 
that's like a stupid nuance in the context of like what you're saying. It's, you know, it seems just like a gotcha nuance uh, type yeah. of thing. It's like, if you're going to let people get paid under the table for doing this thing, let's like, just let it happen across the board or like be consistent here. Sure. Like, I mean, do you ever go, you know, to a movie after watching Jimmy Fallon and go, oh, I didn't like that movie. I'm going to sue Jimmy Fallon for promoting the movie on a show. I mean, <laughs> come on, like, give me, it's ridiculous. Or I bought that album, you know, I saw him on the show and I didn't like the album, you know, like, I don't know. It's just really strange. I don't know. I don't get it. I, I, it's, it's, again, I think it's, you know, part of it is you have, especially in the United States, um, a lack of definition when it comes to regulation around all this stuff. And so then, like you said, they're just poking holes everywhere. Whereas, you know, if they were to make an effort to actually get a framework in place and go, okay, see, this is legal. This is not legal. Then people could kind of go, okay, okay, I'll play by those rules. But as of now, it's like, okay, go play and we'll make up the rules as you go and give you penalties if we feel like it. Yeah. I I really, I try to stay somewhat current about like what's going on with policies and everything. But also I find myself getting really, really frustrated if I dive too deep into it because we have people who have no idea what they're talking about, like, you know, making laws and rules and everything like, you know, people who are, you know, far removed from like the earliest normie who has, you know, just downloaded a MetaMask, like, you know, litigating what happens on like grand scale with like so many variables and and money involved. And it's, and, you know, having been in this, like as long as I have, man, and, and this is why I try to like not pay too much attention to it because I feel like, twice a year, three times a year, some big scary thing comes up and then like the government realizes it's like totally unenforceable or makes no sense or they just can't get it out of the gate or like whatever. And then like nine times out of 10, nothing really, really happens. Um, So I, I try not to be scared of the boogeyman that visits three times a year from the feds uh, until something actually concrete is put in place uh but it is really frustrating to be in such a progressive industry and have your sort of future dictated by people, people who don't with have flip phones going on yeah yeah it's <laughs> it's infuriating man it, like you, we need we need a couple people uh you know I, I say on the inside but not even on the inside just to like in just who are able to inform policymakers on some basic level like what they are doing and the implications of what they're doing because sometimes it feels like some of the stuff they're just putting out there is just buzzwords that and and maybe it is to like appeal to a demographic that they want to move in a certain you know direction or another but like anyone who's been in crypto is like you know can look at some of the stuff and being like well that's not gonna work like (laughs) we all know that so now we got to deal with this news cycle for uh you know a month or whatever while they you know come to that conclusion um i don't know man it's a mess yeah uh so not to end on a bad note let's end on a good note let's let's wrap right. things up with uh you know this uh rizzle meetup you know uh drop any more information here you want about it people can get excited about that and uh yeah uh maybe talk about what you're really excited about here and we'll wrap up with that Cool. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, man. This has been like really Definitely. cool to just just uh, shoot the shit with you. Um, sure. What am I excited about? Uh, a lot of well, so I got Rizzlefest coming up, uh, four twenty yep. 
in Tennessee. If you're interested at all, there's a link in my pinned tweet. I won't bore you with details, but essentially a three-day camping retreat for Web3 people uh, with a lot of cool content curated by Web3 people, including like a throwing knife competition by Easy and Crypto, <laughs> like a lot of weird stuff. A fire building competition, you know, like we're on Survivor. I didn't know about the throwing knife competition. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. It's it's like Web3, but like odd. Um, you got like so, paramedics on site? Uh, we do have a nurse on contract. Oh, good. This was oh, good. put in place after the throwing knife competition came up. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so if you're around Tennessee, 420, come check that out. Uh, made it a point to be fun and pretty affordable for everybody. Uh, but otherwise, I'm like out here on the regular. Like I'm constantly involved in like different metaverse events going on throughout the week. Uh, I got my hand in like a bunch of different communities and projects. Um, I host, you know, virtual events and I'm always looking for cool stuff to show off. So if you're like someone out there who has a cool project or like a cool metaverse parcel or build or something somewhere that you want us to come swing by and do a thing at, uh, I like doing that. And uh, I'm just a super fan of the space, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. I love talking about this stuff. And uh, like I said, man, I, I love being here with people in the bear market who also aren't going anywhere because I have nowhere to go. So y'all are stuck with me as long as you're here. <laughs> yeah. And I think we talked about maybe meeting up in the whip meetup at some point in time too. So maybe I can uh, visit you there. Absolutely, man. Yeah. We'll set it up. Right on. Okay. Well, Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, Rizzle for joining me and uh, I wish you all the best, especially with this big uh, festival coming up. That's going to be awesome. I'm sure. So good luck with that. Thank you, man. Really, right really on. appreciate it. Dude. It's been great talking for to you. Sure. Awesome. Take care. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of NFP with Decline, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.